wanted to thank the speakers, Dr. Castillo, but I just wanted to reiterate that we need to get involved, and I just wanted to share some important dates for the members of the audience to get involved because um, we are at a crossroads here in Arizona, and the magnitude of the crisis is so huge. It will take each and every one of us to speak out, and I mean every day until April 22nd when early ballot voting begins. Um, because early ballot voting is necessary this year. May um, 18th is a special election. That's the Tuesday after commencement. That's the week after finals. So students are busy, faculty are busy, and you need to call in Pima County, 520-4330 to request your early ballot. I'll repeat that again, 740-4330. Tell five people every day until April 22nd that they need to send in their early ballot request form and they need to mail it in because your vote counts. Thank you. We absolutely agree, Ken. And on the Expect More Arizona website as well, you'll find a lot of those dates focused specifically on providing information on how to get your own ballot, how to, you know, where to submit it, how to do that process and, and those, those timelines. So. And you mentioned a lot about community engagement and, um, and also questioning of bring what you have. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what you have to bring to our students who um, transfer over from community colleges um, into four-year programs. I know you are both involved with the assurance, assurance program, but I'm wondering what do you do for transferring students who increasingly are, are having a huge pressure of how to fund for their education and be able to graduate with a Well, I, it, it's incredibly important to have, and, and Paul referred to the P20 Council, and, and, and that really speaks to a seamless, uh, you know, pre-kindergarten to lifelong learning uh, without any leaks in the pipeline. And, and so uh, need-based financial aid uh, is part of a cultural shift, in, in my opinion, that comes from uh, the, the Expect More Arizona, the, the mentality has to change in terms of how education is viewed uh, in this state and in this country. And that qualified students that do not achieve their highest potential uh, matriculate to a baccalaureate degree, uh, that's not just a personal loss, that's a public loss. And the cultural shift has to include not only the work of foundations and other sectors, including the business sector, but it, it, it requires a shift in the way public funds are allocated. The state of Arizona has a very, very modest, is in almost nil, need-based financial aid available. So uh, that increasingly is a problem. Um, and it, it is part, in my judgment, of this cultural shift that comes from those who truly uh, will drill deeper than just, I'm an education candidate. When, when this state and this country reaches a point 
where we can say it is for those who don't support education, that it is un-American not to support education, that's when we will have made a difference. I think the short answer from a Hebrews perspective is we, we don't have any particular projects right now specifically engaged in the transition from community college to university. Um, we've had conversations with the Gates Foundation who's very focused on the, the role of community college in, in, that, in that education continuum and pipeline. Um, there are programs out there that we've met with. Um, Gateway to College comes to mind, which is a national program in a number of different communities focusing on some of the transition activities. When we served on the P20 Council, uh, I can tell you that the, the, the issue of how do you make that seamless transition for the student through the community college, out of high school to the community college, uh, to the university system, it is one that was, was acknowledged as a significant issue and challenge in our state. In fact, I was here when uh, Regent Calderon was talking about the work of, of the Board of Regents, and he made reference to that as well. Um, so it's clearly a challenge, um, but to be perfectly honest, uh, there's not anything I can point to that says, here's what we're doing in that effort right now. Um, but like I said, we're always looking to learn and understand more and see if there's a role for us. Thank you very much. And first, I want to say this. I, I'm certain we share an immense admiration for the, for the work that the two of you have done for the state. Uh, it's, uh, it's a lifetime of work. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, I have a question. Uh, my question concerns, what I heard was uh, uh, Jack took the perspective of saying, you know, what can we do to increase the quality of leadership? A very critical question. Paul, your question was about how can we increase participation, accountability, so your accountability signs, you know, where are these guys on both sides in terms of you can putting up. I think those of those are important. Uh, there's another dimension that I'd like to hear you address, and that is that that, that accountability, that participation, and the 10% of the people that said they feel that actually it's probably true. If you look at how we predict leaders, most of our current leaders were elected. I went back and looked at Secretary of State's website. They were listed by five or six, 10,000 votes in primaries, of which they there's not going to be a contest in general. So the public's perception is correct. They only. 10% of them were actually really represented. Question is this, all this takes place in a structure, a structure of how we make decisions, of how we, uh, how people vote, where leaders go, what they can do once they get into office. And that structure is what I would like to hear you talk about, the structure of how we're represented, how we raise revenue, and how we allocate it. And that seems to be, you anticipate there's a, there's a dialogue going on to change that. Okay. Uh, Ted, you're talking about uh, the financial structure, the, the tax structure, the ways and means. You know, what, what we're putting people into is that your leaders, your new leaders will have to operate in some kind of a structure. Paul's accountability will be within the structure as given. And I think there's a second dialogue going on all across the state. I don't know, and I, like to hear you talk about it, about how we, can we give those leaders a structure they can make a decision in, can we give the people a way to make proper participation in voting, 
because I sense that personally I feel that's just going to be the, the, yeah. the issue now with the 100th anniversary of the state will be the question is, are we properly structured right for our leadership and for our students? Right, right. I, and I think one dimension informs the other. If, if uh, you know, uh, building on, on what I was attempting to say, if we focus on uh, a civic leadership whereby individuals, emerging leaders, are equipped with the, the knowledge and the skill sets to operate in a public environment, in this case, uh, in the context of your question, and they're able to tackle very complex issues and solve the problems related. So, for example, um, we would hope that there would be an electoral process where, let's just use the two political parties, as I think about dysfunction, I think about Republicans that are turned away because they want to increase taxes. And I think about Democrats who are turned away because they want to cut services. Can we have a conversation in, in the context of what is it going to take to solve the problem and not worry so much about a political ideology or you know, uh, being penalized for doing the right thing. That's a very different context than the one we're living in now. And, and so I believe that it, it begins with, uh, it, let's just take the tax code for example. That's a, a very lively conversation, right? Well, our tax code in this state is, is abysmal. It's broken. It has been for 20 years. We had a project in 1990 called Fiscal 2000. 20 years ago, economists from this university and other uh, bright minds laid it out. If you will do this, we will have a, stru a, a, a structure uh, that will allow uh, for those things that most people want, in this case a vibrant education system. It, it, it was dead on arrival because it, there, there was no political will to do that. And there hasn't been, going back 30 years ago, when, when I was involved. So we are talking about changing the dimension, creating an environment where the bright leaders of the future, and I can name 41 of them because I interviewed them three weeks ago, they're potential Flynn scholars. I jokingly said to my colleagues, we could take these 41 students parachute them in on 1700 West Washington, and by the end of the legislative session, we will have made a lot of headway. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I could add to that. I, I understand the question about structure, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, our focus from a foundation being focused on the education aspect is you know, focused on affecting change in leadership and specifically to education. But I, I think Jack, perspective is right. And if you get the right leadership in place, then you have a chance to change the structure. Um, I'm not sure it's going to work the other way around. Okay, well, it, it hasn't worked yet, yet. We haven't been able to change that structure yet. Um, so I think we really do need to get the right type of leadership there, focus on the longer term, big picture, and then we can change the structure. Uh, we're all out of time, but join the conversation. One thing that's not listed is our blog. So if you have ongoing questions and comments, please contribute to our blog. Uh, but let's thank our speakers for their time.